Welcome, I am Bree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, the founder of Femme Fusion Fitness, and the author of Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. My mission is to build community and awareness around women's wellness and pelvic health. I invite you to listen, laugh, learn about, and love all of the bits that make you whole. Let's go to the show. Hello, my friends. I'm back with another chapter from my book, Lady Bits. I uh, hope you caught last week's episodes where I read, actually, I had two episodes last week. I had a bonus episode on Friday, which was really fun. It's called The Power of Feminine Movement, and that's episode seven. And um, if you've never heard me talk about my passion for movement, then please listen to that one. It's episode seven. And then the episode before that, episode six, I read chapters three and four out of my book, Lady Bits. This week, we are going to go right on to chapter five, which is about getting to know you, getting to know your inner core, getting to know about your menstrual cycle. I have all sorts of fun in store for you today. It is probably going to be a slightly slightly longer episode because it's a slightly longer chapter, but I hope you'll you know tune in and get a lot out of it. So one thing before I go on to the show is I do always really like to share a review of the week. And this week I actually have two. They're short and sweet. And I just, I want to just give huge love and gratitude for everyone who does take the time to leave me a, a rating five star is lovely, (laughs) to leave me a rating for the show on iTunes and also a review. Uh, Same thing with my book, my book on Amazon. If you happen to be somebody who's purchased my book, which is called Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. If you happen to have purchased that book, it would be amazing if you could leave a review. It really, really helps. The reviews really, really help get the podcast and my book in front of more eyes. And I just think this information is so helpful for people to learn about because it's not stuff that we're often taught in school or even from our moms or, you know, growing up. So this is stuff we have to learn on our own. And a lot of it's basic. A lot of it you may already know, but a lot of it you may not. And so definitely, again, I'm glad you're listening to my podcast and reviews are so awesome. So I have two new reviews that I want to share with you. And the first one is from B. Jackton. I'm sorry, I'm probably getting that very much wrong. But B. Jackton says, Dr. Bree really cares about the women she's helping. I also like that she doesn't come across as salesy. Thank you, Dr. Bree, for all that you are doing to inform and educate women about their bodies. And Rini first says, I absolutely love her. I watch her YouTube videos as well. She's great at responding on her social media also. Goes live with other informative professionals. Always looking forward to her new stuff. Ah, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. That means so much to me that I am someone you want to listen to. That's huge. So thanks for that, guys. And let's go ahead and move into this week's show, which is chapter five of my book, Lady Bits. So I'm opening up right now. Oops. Literally have bookmarks falling out. So chapter five is the first chapter in part two of my bot of my book, which is titled Understand Your Body. And really, I, I titled this to understand your body because I'm such a believer in learning about 
ourselves. We are our own best friends. And as I say in the book, to know yourself is to love yourself. And some great quotes to kind of open up this section of the book is uh, first from Abra Fortune. We must claim our bodies as our own to love and honor in their infinite shapes and sizes. Fat, thin, soft, hard, puckered, smooth. Our bodies are our homes. The next one quote is from Hilary Mantle, who says, It is the absence of facts that frightens people, the gap you open into which they pour their fears, fantasies, and desires. And I I included that one because I just think that it's true that sometimes when we don't have the information, we have more fear in our lives. We also are giving away our power more to other people. Whereas when we know the facts, the basic facts, about our own bodies and our own health, we keep the power in our corner. So that's a really huge piece of why I do what I do. And uh, the last one here is from Albert Einstein. He says, any fool can know the point is to understand. So yeah, you can know you have a pelvic floor, but if you understand your pelvic floor or you you understand your menstrual cycle, you're gonna get so much more out of it. Okay, so let's move on to chapter five. Again, it's titled Getting to Know You. And it opens with a quote from a uh, from Daily Mail UK, which I read, half of 26 to 35 year olds could not identify a vagina on a picture of the female reproductive system, survey found. Whew. <laughs> so the, the, sub, the heading of this uh, chapter five is we have to talk about this. I've said it to my clients and I'll say it to you now. You have a right and a responsibility to know your body better than your partner does. Again, you have a right and a responsibility to know your body better than your partner knows your body, right? As quoted above, a study by women's cancer charity, The Eve Appeal, found that half of 26 to 35-year-olds could not identify the vagina on a diagram of the female reproductive system. This is disturbing since 26 to 35-year-old women are in their prime childbearing years, a time when women should absolutely know and understand their own reproductive anatomy. Study participants were asked to identify the vagina on a cross-sectional diagram diagram of the uterus and vaginal canal. Many women think of the vagina as just the opening or the hole and not the entire canal, which might have contributed to the confusion. But confusing or not, this study illustrates that basic anatomical education is lacking amongst women. One of my missions in life is to help women get to know their bodies and clear up any misinformation or shame surrounding them. Unfortunately, genital ignorance is experienced by many women in society today. So let's get it all out there and talk details. Let's talk about your lady bits. Lady bits. Your vagina is more than just a hole. Rather, the vagina consists of the canal between the cervix, which is the base of the uterus, and the external opening from which babies and menstrual blood can exit, and into which a penis or tampon can enter. In short, the vagina includes the canal and the hole. The labia are the lips that help to enclose and protect the clitoris and the openings of the vagina and the urethra. The labia majora are the outermost lips and the labia minora are the innermost. In some women, the labia minora are completely hidden inside the labia majora and not visible externally. In other women, the labia minora protrude. Both scenarios are completely normal. Unfortunately, due in large part to body comparison and idealization made possible by the pornography industry, some women feel ashamed of their natural and completely healthy variations and are turning toward labiaplasty, plastic surgery to change the appearance of the labia. 
This trend, dubbed designer vagina, is growing at an alarming rate, increasing fivefold between 2001 and 2010. Anterior to the vagina, more toward the front of your body, is the opening of the urethra. The urethra is the tube that leads from the bladder to the vulvar vestibule, which is the area inside the inner lips of the vulva where the vagina is found. The urethra conveys urine. In males, the urethra is much longer and also conveys semen. Anterior to the urethra, so in other words, even closer to the front of your body, is the clitoris, an exquisitely sensitive area with one job, sexual pleasure. Interestingly, the clitoris is actually quite large. When you visualize the clitoris, think of a wishbone. The visible button-like portion can, that can be seen anterior to the urethra is just a small part of the entire structure. Clitoral tissue extends toward the pubic bone, is found in the anterior vaginal wall, and has legs of nerve endings that run along either side of the vaginal opening. When you hear the word vulva, the classic Seinfeld episode where Jerry mistakenly calls his date mulva might come to mind faster than the actual definition or location of the vulva. And I'm just going to say it out loud here that this kind of dates the book. Um, I think a lot of people at this point in time, five years later after I wrote it, may not actually remember that classic Seinfeld episode where Jerry <laughs> calls his date Mulva. Anyway, moving on. You might not, though, know really what vulva means. So let's go ahead and talk about the actual definition and location of the vulva. Uh, it is the vaginal opening, the labia, both sets, the urethral opening and the clitoris, they're all parts of the vulva. Essentially, the vulva is all of the external parts of your private area. The external portions of the vulva are hair covered. Despite a rising trend that would have you believe otherwise, pubic hair is natural and totally okay. It does not need to be trimmed, shaved, waxed, or otherwise modified or removed unless you have a personal preference to do so. Relax and save some time and money. Uh, cancel your next depilatory session. And that's, you know, totally optional. Of course, some people love having a smooth, um, you know, smooth vulvar area, but in other women, it actually can enhance pleasure of sex. It can lead to um, a feeling more of like lubrication because there are some natural oils in the pubic hairs. So don't feel like you have to shave or wax if you don't want to. All right. The Perineum, or perineum, not technically a part of the vulva, is the area between the vagina and anus. This region is sometimes referred to as the taint. This is slang. Episiotomies, surgical incisions intended to facilitate childbirth, and this is a medical practice of debatable value, are completed in the perineum. The anus is the end of the digestive tract, the opening from which feces exit the body. We could get much more technical and detailed, but the above information covers the basics when it comes to your external genitalia. A few key points to remember. Your, vulvar, your, your vulva is your entire private area. Your vagina is more than just the whole. The vagina connects the outer world to your inner world. Speaking of your inner world, let's go deeper. All right, so in this next section, which I titled Womb Power, I know that I've had some... <laughs> Some folks who are like, uh, Brie, you're kind of going off the deep end, but I am very, very passionate about standing by what I've written in this section, and it is extremely important that I just uh, continue talking about this and talking about the importance of the energetics of this area of the body. So I'm going to go ahead and continue. The uterus, otherwise known as your womb, is a muscular organ that lies in your pelvic cavity between your bladder and rectum. The uterus is composed of the fundus, which is the dome-shaped portion at the top, 
the body, which is the largest tapering central portion, and the cervix, which opens into the vagina. Pound for pound, the myometrial layer of the uterus, and that's the muscular layer of the uterus, is the strongest muscle in the female body. Energetically, the uterus plays a very special role. It is our center of creativity and intuition, the very place from which all life begins. In women who bear children, the uterus houses and nurtures the developing baby, and its strong muscular contractions help deliver the baby into the world. For women who do not bear children, the womb remains a center of pure creative pure creative potential. From business endeavors to art and relationships, anything that requires creative energy can be energetically birthed from and felt in the center or root of your body. And then I wrote in kind of like as if someone was asking me in italics and quotation marks, is there any scientific evidence for this? Where's the proof? The proof is in your body. I have written this book to be as evidence-based as possible, drawing upon information gleaned from my postgraduate studies as well as current research. Information about womb energy is not found in peer-reviewed scientific journals, but I would be remiss if I did not share the vital role your prana, the life force energy that flows and currents in and around your body, plays in your health. Information about prana has been passed down through the ages and continues to be noted and observed in individual case studies and clinical examples amongst practitioners of energy medicine. Although I am not a trained practitioner of energy medicine, I have had several personal experiences with sensing and shifting the energy in my own body. My experiences, coupled with reports from women I've worked with and known, have convinced me that there is substance to the theory of womb energy specifically and prana in general. And you may have heard about the meridians in Chinese acupuncture and the chakras. I mean, there's many different theories of energy medicine and different, uh, you know, schools of thought. But basically, it's all about, it's just all about energy. So continuing on, scientific evidence is inarguably valuable, but it's not everything. Did our ancestors conduct formal research studies? No. They recognized what worked and what didn't, and they focused on continuing with and building upon the former. They pass down this information from generation to generation. They may not have known exactly why or how things worked, and they may not have calculated 95% confidence intervals or other indicates of statistical significance, but that doesn't make their time-tested insights any less important or valid. And I also want to include here that, guys, scientific studies, (laughs) they can all be basically tweaked and, well, okay, I'm being very, very cynical right here, but... It is, (laughs) the more I look at scientific studies, the more it seems that you can make a study fit anything you want the outcome to be. And of course, peer-reviewed, double-blinded, you know, carefully controlled trials are invaluable and thank goodness for them. But I think it's real easy to go around and uh, support your cause by finding, looking for and finding studies that support it. I mean, I do it here in the book. I look for something that I want to prove and talk about, and then I find evidence to support it. But so often, especially, for example, in the diet industry and nutrition, there are studies that support one thing, and then there's other studies that very compellingly support the entire opposite way of thinking. So in my opinion, just honestly, like the time, time-telled, like age-old truth of just observing and using your intuition and seeing what works is so, so important. So that's why I really value these ancient theories of medicine and energy medicine. 
Okay, back to the book. Throughout history and crossing cultural boundaries, generations of people, healers and grandmothers and regular Joes alike, understood the value of keeping a healthy stream of energy flowing throughout our bodies. For women, the uterus was and still is the center of this pranic flow. Check in with yourself. Does this seem a little woo-woo to you? A little out there? Regardless, I encourage you to try the following exercise. So here's the exercise. It's called womb power. Place your hands over your womb. Let your mind clear and your body relax. Open yourself to the idea of energy flowing through your body. What do you feel when you place your hands physically and your attention mentally, spiritually, and energetically over your womb? Take a moment to consider this and then consider and then continue reading. And I want you to know that if you don't have a uterus, if you've had a hysterectomy, you can still absolutely do that same exercise because you still have the energetic blueprint of the uterus. It's still there. So just try that. Try that exercise and see what happens. It might be better not to try it now, but to try it maybe when you're very relaxed, maybe before bed at night. It is powerful. Your uterus, which is seated within your pelvic bowl, is your creative center, your power center, your primal, energetically charged, sacred, feminine center. Holistic women's healthcare provider and author Tammy Kent states in her book, Wild Creative, this creative energy field exists not just in the pelvic bowl, but around the whole body. It reflects the imprints and intelligence of the pelvic bowl, however, because this is where our body and energy are first created. It really is amazing to think that we as women developed and came into being within and through our mother's uterus. Even in utero, we had tiny developing wombs of our own. We were nourished in this field of pure creative potential and ultimately birthed with the ability to bear new life from our womb in the future. And I'm going to put in a little note here. It's absolutely fascinating to me to realize that we were actually in our grandmother's womb for a period of time because, of course, our grandmother had our mother in her womb and our mother, as a tiny fetus, had her own own womb with little tiny um, eggs developing in her and one of those became us. So we, for a period of time, were in our grandmother's womb. It's incredible. It blows my mind. Okay, continuing with the book. Is this too heady for you? Try to stay open and keep going with this exercise. It can be life-changing. Let's get back to the womb power exercise. Return your attention to your womb. Again, consider what do you feel? You might feel warmth or a sense of energetic presence in your womb. You might feel a sense of engorgement depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle or even a pulsing or buzzing sensation. However, you may also feel nothing. You might feel coldness or emptiness indicating stress or a lack of connection to your feminine center. This is not uncommon today in our fast-paced, male-dominated culture. Tammy Kent states that in her private healthcare practice, one of the common imbalances she sees is an overactive masculine energy flow with an absent or diminished feminine energy flow. This is attributed to our culture's general emphasis on production, achievement, and building a career outside of the home, which at one time applied primarily to men and now applies to women as well. If you feel a sense of coldness, emptiness, dullness, or stagnation rather than warm, lively, freely flowing energy, then I suggest the following. First, tune into the big picture of energy moving throughout your body. Begin with the familiar visualization of blood circulating throughout your vessels from your big arteries and veins to the tiny little capillaries in your fingertips and toes. Your circulatory system touches every nook and cranny of your internal body. 
Now shift your focus to your energetic system. Just as the circulatory system, your blood system, moves throughout your entire body, filling all of the internal spaces, so too does your energetic system. Feel your prana circulating throughout your body and then bring awareness to your womb. What are you feeling now? And if it helps you, you can think of light when you're thinking of the prana circulating throughout your body. I know that really helps me. Tammy Kent states, women tend to fuel their energy with sheer willpower rather than from feminine inspiration, often depleting their essence, happiness, libido, and so on. To counter this tendency, tune into the energy flowing throughout your body with a special focus on the womb region. When you begin to connect with this feminine energy, you will notice a subtle but powerful shift that causes you to feel more centered and relaxed. I suggest you return to this exercise on a regular basis as you move through the book. What may start as, what the heck is she talking about, just might evolve into a profound relationship with your energetic female center. Personally, I like to place my hands over my uterus every night before I fall asleep. I take a few minutes to tune into the flow of pranic energy coursing through my energetic center, or not, depending on my mood or state of being. Uh, if I feel a cold or numb sensation over my womb, I gently focus my attention on it until the energy begins flowing. This simple practice calms me, grounds me, and brings me back to the power and creative potential that is my birthright. Hey, just a quick little check-in to let you know about an amazing foundational core strengthening program that I recommend to everybody. It's called Mutu System. It stands for mummy tummy, but you don't have to be a mom to benefit from this program. And it's not just for recently postpartum moms either. You can be six weeks postpartum, or you can be 16 years postpartum or 26 years postpartum. Or again, maybe you've never had a baby before. It really doesn't matter. Basically what it's working on is strengthening the pelvic floor, the abs, the back, everything that I talk about, but it's done in a really organized stepwise progression. And it's going to make any workout that you do now or in the future, even that much more safe and effective because you have that foundational core strength built up. It's really well laid out. It's high, high quality. And again, I recommend it to everyone. It might seem strange for me as a core fitness professional who has my own workouts to recommend someone else's workout. But like I said, it's just an awesome starting place for really anybody. And you can check it out yourself at mutusystem.com using my discount code femtribe at checkout. And that is F-E-M-T-R-I-B-E. So go to mutusystem.com and use code femtribe at checkout or you can use my bit.ly link, which is bit.ly slash femmutu. That's bit.ly slash f-e-m-m-u-t-u and enter code femtribe at checkout for 15% off. It's a really awesome system and I hope you like it as much as I do. All right, let's move on to talking about the menstrual cycle. And this is a really, really fascinating subject, uh, something that is often looked upon with shame and disgust. And interestingly, it was something that was absolutely honored in ancient times. 
the goddess was honored in ancient times, the feminine was honored in ancient times, and people in certain traditions even did practices such as bleeding into the earth with their menstrual blood. Like they would literally allow it for not just because they didn't have menstrual protection, but as part of a sacred rite or ritual, they would actually bleed into the ground to create fertility in the soils and the fields. So really, really fascinating that now our society and culture has changed to the point where we just, you know, we don't want to talk about it. It's yucky. It's dirty. It's shameful. The reason I really go into it in detail here is because of that. So let's go ahead and go into detail. Some of this may be familiar to you and some may not. The menstrual cycle. Shame, fear, mistrust, indifference, and annoyance can all be used to describe women's feelings toward their bodies and bodily functions. For many of us, menstruation is or has become a source of embarrassment and hassle. We hide our tampons underneath other purchases at the store and avoid eye contact with our checker or bagger. We use sanitary products to keep clean and fresh. What I say there is sanitary products in air quotes and clean and fresh in air quotes because we can't call them like, you know, menstrual products. We have to call them sanitary products. And we're all about keeping clean and fresh because the opposite, you know, the implication is that it's dirty to have your period. And we roll our eyes with shared understanding as we commiserate with our friends about the time of the month. These murmured comments are often cloaked in mystery to the men and children in our lives. In fact, many women never refer to their female issues by proper names, anatomy, or purpose. It doesn't have to be this way. If you are still menstruating, your cycle is important to embrace and understand, at least at a basic level. Let's face it, unless you utilize natural family planning or the fertility awareness method of contraception, you probably do not understand menstruation. I didn't understand it until recently, and my career is based on women's health and wellness. The menstrual cycle is regulated by your sex hormones, which produce changes in the reproductive organs every 28 days or so. Although an average cycle is 28 days, a healthy menstrual cycle can vary a few days in either direction with no ill effects. If your cycle is shorter than 21 days or longer than 35, consult with a healthcare professional who can help you troubleshoot. It's likely that some type of hormonal imbalance, which may be related to perimenopause and or extreme stress, inflammation, poor gut health, or other significant issues is at the root. The menstrual cycle is counted from the beginning of one menstrual period to the beginning of the next and is divided into three distinct phases, the follicular, ovulation, and the luteal phase. I will describe the three phases in brief. They're quite complex and will also correlate typical mood and productivity changes that you may note throughout your own cycle. It's a fascinating, beautiful ebb and flow that every woman should know. The key to menstrual peace is learning how to flow with and be open to the changes in your energy, creativity, and mood throughout your cycle. Even when writing this book, it was very clear to me that there were days when the words just flew onto the page, and others when I absolutely did not feel like writing at all. Because I track my cycle so closely, I was able to prepare for these shifts and not berate myself for being lazy or unproductive, because, um, because it actually did connect with my cycle. I encourage you to study this information and begin tracking your own cycle. Even if you're not tracking for fertility or family planning, it's interesting, enlightening, and may help you make some connections. And if you have a daughter, please share this information with her. Be the light. Show her how magical her body truly is. And I say this little fun tidbit here where fun tidbit here where technology meets fertility. And I just talk about different apps for um, 
tracking your period, and I'm sure that a lot has changed since I wrote this book. There are so many period trackers now, uh, menstrual trackers, that you may want to look into. Um, gosh, I, I can't even begin to recommend. I'll, I'll actually put a few of my favorites and ones that clients have mentioned to me and have uh, recommended to me in the show notes, so go ahead and check that out. All right, follicular phase, days 1 through 13 on average. Remember, on average. Menstruation, in other words, when you begin bleeding or start your period, marks day one or the beginning of your follicular phase. Uh, This is day one of your cycle when your body realizes that you are not, in fact, pregnant and the innermost lining of the uterus begins to break down and shed. On day one, the first day of your period, your hormone levels have plummeted and estrogen and progesterone are the lowest they will be throughout the cycle. These low levels of estrogen and progesterone signal the pituitary gland to produce follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH. FSH triggers small follicles, which are structures in the ovaries that support and grow your eggs, to mature. Your body is gearing up to try again next month. The follicles and the eggs within produce estrogen in order to prepare the uterus for pregnancy. Often referred to as the growing or building hormone, estrogen is responsible for growing and maturing the uterine lining, and it also matures the eggs prior to ovulation. And so here's a fun little tidbit. A female baby is born with all the eggs she will ever have, estimated to be around 2 million. By the time she reaches puberty, this number has decreased to about 400,000. From puberty to menopause, only about 400 to 500 eggs will reach maturity and be released from the, ov- the ovary, in other words, ovulation, rendering them capable of fertilization. Isn't that fascinating? Throughout the follicular phase, estrogen rises and with it, your mood may elevate as well. By days three to five of the follicular phase, you may begin feeling more confident and powerful. By days six to seven, your period should be completely or almost gone. By days nine through 13, estrogen is at its peak and you may be feeling particularly creative and confident. In fact, the week preceding ovulation is often referred to as your Venus week, named after the Roman goddess of love, sex, beauty, and fertility. During Venus week, all of your hormones are balanced in such a way that you may feel more energetic and charismatic, and for many women, more sexual. In other women, the charisma manifests less as sexual desire, but more as creative energy. All of this charisma tends to peak just before ovulation, which marks the end of the follicular phase. And if you listen to my last episode about the power of feminine movement, you'll hear me talking about how I want to run pretty much one day a month, and that's around day seven, like right when my period ends and right when that Venus week is beginning. So uh, just check in with yourself. It's really interesting to notice your own trends. It's important to note that the length of the follicular phase is variable and can be affected by diet, stress, or illness. Thus, it can be tricky to predict your exact day of ovulation. If you are using natural family planning or the fertility awareness method of contraception, you'll need to research the signs of ovulation to best promote or prevent pregnancy. So ovulation is day 14 on average. Today is a game changer, the day that a sudden spike in luteinizing hormone, LH, causes a fully mature egg to burst through the wall of one of your ovaries. Most women alternate which ovary will produce an egg each month. The egg moves through that ovary's fallopian tube and then enters the uterus. Some women literally feel ovulation and experience mittelschmerz. Yes, that's a real term meaning middle pain in German, which can cause slight pain or discomfort in the ovulating ovary. Around ovulation, you might notice some slippery, clear mucus when you wipe after using the toilet. This is cervical mucus. It looks and feels like egg whites, and it helps move the sperm toward the egg and protect sperm from the acidity of the vagina. 
If you're trying to conceive now, and the two to three days leading up to now is the time, but if you want to prevent pregnancy and are not using any other form of birth control, you'll need to be extremely careful around ovulation. Sperm can live as long as seven days inside the female body, so you'll need to practice prophylaxis, for example, condom use, during the entire week before ovulation. After ovulation, the egg can live up to 24 hours without being fertilized, so you'll need to practice prophylaxis for at least two days after you ovulate as well. The luteal phase, this is days 15 through 28 on average. The remains of the follicle, so this is again, the follicle is the structure in the ovary that housed the egg, is called the cor corpus luteum. The corpus luteum produces large amounts of progesterone, which is known as the pregnancy hormone or the relaxing hormone. Progesterone's main, progesterone's main job is to help mature and maintain the uterine lining. Basically, it's padding things up to make the uterus as comfortable and snug as possible in case the egg is fertilized and there is a pregnancy. Progesterone dominates during the luteal phase, and estrogen and testosterone levels are fairly low, especially during the first part of the luteal phase, around 17 through 18. This can leave you feeling low energy and possibly a little bit vulnerable. It's a good time for a quiet movie night with your friends, but probably not the best time to run a marathon or plan a hot date. In the middle of the luteal phase, around days 21 through 24, progesterone is at its highest and estrogen surges just a bit. Due to progesterone's bonding influence and estrogen's powerful creative, energetic, and building influence, this is a great time to tap into your intuition and work on relationship building or creative projects with harmony and flow. Your nighttime dreams might be particularly colorful dur during your luteal phase. Keep in mind, however, that symptoms of premenstrual syndrome, PMS, tend to begin around days 23 through 25 and may not wind down until days 27 through 28. This is not the time to get on the scale. Premenstrual fluid retention is a real thing, and so are the mood swings that can accompany PMS. Be extra kind to yourself during this time, and I repeat, don't weigh yourself. <laughs> and remember, your, your value is not reflected by the number on the scale any time of the of the month or the year or your life but definitely definitely do not weigh yourself during the luteal phase especially right before your period all right if the egg is not fertilized and conception or implantation does not occur the corpus luteum will shrivel about 14 days after ovulation or day 28. this often this causes a sharp decrease in both estrogen and progesterone triggering the onset of menstruation and the cycle begins again Self-care is at the top of your to-do list right now. Go book that mani-pedi and that massage. All right, so now we're going to do a little fun tidbit here that is quite interesting. Did you know that the moon and women's menstrual cycles are thought to be linked? While there is not peer-reviewed, double-blinded, placebo-controlled scientific evidence to prove this phenomenon, the theory has stood the test of time and is something worth exploring. Let's look a little closer with the help of Al Griffin, an expert in fertility and spirituality and the founder of Over the Moon magazine. According to Griffin, things are changing due to the introduction of hormonal birth control, artificial light, and the ability to be awake and productive around the clock, but traditionally the female cycle has been connected to the fullness of the moon. The full moon has long been known as a peak time for fertility, not just for farmers and seed planting, but also for baby making. As Griffin writes, you've heard that the moon is what causes the tides. That beautiful force of gravity that operates between the sun, the moon, and the rotation of the earth results in a cosmic lunar pull on bodies of water and even, well, your bodies. The moon makes a complete orbit around the earth in every 28 days. Well, 27.3, but who's counting? Similarly, a woman's regulated menstrual cycle is 28 days in length. Coincidence? Not at all. 
When the sun, earth, and the moon form a line, we see a full moon or a new moon. In both cases, this alignment creates exceptionally strong gravitational forces on the earth and a pull not only on the tides, but also within our bodies. And this is, you know, really because our body is made of, you know, a huge amount of water. I believe it's 70 to 80% water. So just like the earth is about the same amount water, we have a ton of water on the earth, but the same thing in our bodies. And so this gravitational pull that happens on the tides, it also happens within us. So both the full moon and the new moon are times of release. Griffin states that modern women are divided into three groups. The first and largest group tends to ovulate with the full moon and bleeds with the new moon. This tends to be the most traditional group, mirroring our ancestors who planned weddings just prior to the full moon in order to provide the best chance for conception. So again, I'm just going to say that again. This is sort of the, known as the traditional group where um, people would plan weddings just before the full moon because uh, most women would ovulate around the full moon and so it was going to give you the best chance for conception. Interestingly, our female ancestors most likely cycled as a group due to the phenomenon of menstrual synchronization, where women living in close proximity menstruate together, coupled with in-sync circadian rhythms. Since everyone lived naturally by the light of the sun and the moon, the entire community would have tracked the cycles of the moon and noted its cyclical effects on their bodies and their lives. The second group, a group that is growing as women's societal roles shift and change, tends to ovulate with the new moon and bleeds with the full moon. These women may not be quite as interested in expanding their family, but they have often have a strong creative and productive urges. They are meant to give birth to something other than physical life, for example, a business or any other form of creative expression. So again, that is a group that would ovulate with the new moon and bleed with the full moon. The third group is in transition, falling somewhere between the two traditional rhythms of menstruation. This is likely due to external stimuli that have taken us away from our natural flow. For example, current or past use of hormonal birth control, off-kilter circadian rhythms due to artificial indoor light, use of sunglasses when you're outside, an abundance of illuminated streetlights, and the cumulative effect of 24-7 light in larger towns and cities. Because of our increasingly individualistic society, society and also being unaware of the moon phases. As Griffin states, if you fall into this transitional group, it's likely that your body is trying to move toward one of the traditional rhythms of menstruation. And she says, if there were no other influences on our bodies, it would be that way. But since modern society has so many outside influences, we see a lot of these transitional cycles. So I want to interrupt my reading of the book right now to just say briefly that if you don't fall within, you know, one of these phases, if you don't, if you don't, if you fall as one of the transitional women where you're not, you know, bleeding with the full moon or bleeding with the new moon, don't worry about it. It doesn't mean that you're damaged or that there's something wrong with you. This is just a theory, but it is one that is very, very fascinating to note and something to kind of open your mind to. And it might be interesting for you to start tracking your menstrual cycle with the moon cycles and just see what you notice. All right, so I'm going to go on with the book, and I say, fascinating, isn't it? After I shared this information with a client, she felt like tracking her cycle and timing her work and life goals around it could be useful. As she stated, it could help me truly understand and respect my body's needs instead of just drinking extra coffee or beer to muscle my way through. I encourage you to begin tracking your cycle if you're not already and concurrently tracking the phases of the moon. See which group you fall into and consider the profound impact that nature continues to have on our still relatively primal bodies. 
Um, and then I do have a in the book a period, mood, and moon tracker. Okay, so next I'm going to talk about cervical changes during your cycle. And this is really interesting, especially for people who have prolapse. I mentioned that cervical fluid can be felt during menstruation, but did you know that the uterus and thus the cervix, which as you may remember and may, may know, the cervix is just the bottom of the uterus. It's the little bottom part of the uterus. It feels, if you're to feel it, it feels like the tip of your nose. That's what it feels like. And it's the bottom of your uterus. It's what the baby comes out of. Okay, so um, the, the uterus and thus the cervix changes position throughout the menstrual cycle. This is not only interesting, but it can also impact sensation for both you and your partner during sex, and it can significantly impact women who suffer from prolapse. Onel Starkey of The Beautiful Cervix Project offers a step-by-step -step tutorial that will help you get to know your cervix and also confirm where you are in your cycle. As Starkey states, even if you're not charting your menstrual cycles, have a feel anyway. It's a great skill to have in your empowered woman toolbox. The following instructions have been reproduced from beautifulcervix.com. Here's how to feel your cervix. Wash your hands. That's step one. Step two, squat or stand with one foot raised on a stool. Step three, Insert your longest finger into your vagina until you feel your cervix. It will feel like a protruding nub or cylinder toward the back of the soft walls of your vagina. If your finger is long enough, you should be able to circle your finger all the way around the cervix and feel a little dent in the middle of it. This is called the os, the opening to the uterus. Note the following. How deep in your vagina is your cervix resting? How much of your finger is inside of you, in other words? Does your cervix feel soft like pursed lips or firmer like the tip of your nose? Is your cervix angled to one side or is it aligned more centrally? Does your os feel slightly open and squishy or does it feel squeezed shut? While menstruating, the cervix may feel firm and low as the os opens as it releases blood. It may be angled to one side slightly. Once all the blood has been shed, the os again feels closed. As ovulation nears, the rising levels of estrogen cause the ligaments that attach the uterus to the pelvis to tighten and pull the uterus up further into the body. Hence, the cervix gradually draws deeper up into the vagina and is often harder to reach near ovulation. The cervix may feel softer, like pursed lips, be more centrally aligned, and the os slightly open. After ovulation, estrogen levels drop and the cervix usually resumes feeling low, firm, and closed until she gets her period a few weeks later. It is not uncommon for the cervix to be tilted to one side. Not all women follow this pattern exactly, so don't worry if you don't. For example, women with retroverted tipped uteruses may find their cervix easier to reach near ovulation, and women who have given birth vaginally usually have softer cervix services throughout the cycle. It's empowering just to know what's normal for you. You may notice your cervical changes vary from cycle to cycle or that you have a consistent pattern that aligns with your other symptoms of fertility. The key is to check every day so you can feel the relative differences from day to day. Cervical changes can be very subtle. Check your cervix in the same position and at the same time each day, for example, in a squat before showering in the morning, so you're comparing apples to apples or services to services as the case may be. So I want to just kind of yeah say one more thing about those changes and also prolapse. So a lot of women who come to my work have prolapse, pelvic organ prolapse, where things are hanging a little, their pelvic organs are hanging a little low. And they may find that their prolapse symptoms are aggravated um, during those times when the cervix and uterus are naturally a little bit lower anyway. So closer to your period, you might feel uh, an increase in 
prolapse sensation. You might also feel an increase in needing to go to the bathroom all the time or experience an increase in um, bladder leakage, urinary incontinence, because maybe you know everything's kind of pressing down on the bladder a little bit more because things are hanging a little lower. And so if that happens, just know that that is part of the natural cycle. And of course, you know, there are things that we can do to help with prolapse and help with incontinence and help with all of that. But it's just good to know that it's very natural for things to kind of shift and change slightly throughout the month. Uh, It may also contribute to bowel issues such as more of a a sensation of of fullness or um, even constipation because again of this shifting and changing and where the pressure is on your bowel. There's a lot going on in our pelvic cavity and so when things are shifting and changing it's going to press on different organs. It can potentially press on the bladder, potentially press on the bowel and that can cause different symptoms that may shift and fluctuate throughout your cycle. So that is the end of the chapter, and we'll go ahead and continue next week with chapter six, which is going to be, what is it? Oh, the inner core. Yes, we're going to go even more in depth into the inner core muscles, the pelvic floor, etc. So good stuff to come. And until then, I hope you'll check out my moon chocolate recipe. The moon chocolate and moon bread recipes are in the show notes. A wonderful way to help support your body nutritionally through the different phases of your menstrual cycle using the power of seed rotation. I was not always a believer in the power of seed rotation, but I am now. I really am. And it's just a fun way to get the right seeds to help support the nutritional needs of your body during the follicular and the luteal phases by eating bread and chocolate and the bread recipe is definitely a unique bread recipe it's very dense full of fiber and protein it's super chewy and i think it is absolutely delicious toasted it's gluten-free egg-free it's so incredibly healthy uh you know definitely check it out again the notes are the show notes have all the links that you'll need so check all that out and thank you so much for listening If this has served you, please share it with someone who needs it. And I hope you've learned a little something. If you have, please leave me a a review. Again, like I said at the beginning, five star would be awesome. And maybe leave a little comment about what you learned today and how it uh, may help you and maybe how you'll share it with your daughter (laughs) or with someone in your family or someone that you love. Let's change the world together. We can do this, ladies. Thank you for listening to the entire show. If you loved this episode, please share it with a friend. Let her know how it helped you and what you learned and why she might like it too. And if you would like a free downloadable video portfolio that includes the inner core energizer routine that's found in my book, Lady Bits, plus the first seven days of my ab camp series, simply leave a review of this podcast on iTunes and then send a screenshot of of your review to me, Brianne, at femfusionfitness.com. Again, that's Brianne at femfusionfitness.com. I will personally get back to you with your free downloadable video portfolio. I will see you next time. And remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit.